0: Last Sunday, we focused upon the issue of suicide. We learned that 3,470 suicide attempts take place every day in our country. You heard the warning signs that can help you spot those and find that help for that team that you need. And we close with the words from Jeremiah 29:11, where God says he has plans for you, plans for peace and a future filled with hope, which is something we all should keep in mind as we struggle in life. Today, we're going to look at the stress that teens face. I think you'll find today is a message for all ages. But I hope we come away with understanding that the world is different from what it used to be, different from 10 to 15 years ago, maybe even as much as just five years ago. The pressures that teens are facing in this world are much more difficult. And hopefully, what we share with you today is something that will help you help that teen that you care about in your lives. Now, this is not an easy task, and anyone who remembers raising a teen may relate to some of these phrases we often hear from our children or grandchildren.
1: My geometry teacher is so annoying.
0: I need to rant.
1: (sighs) Whatever, I'm so mad.
0: I'm fine.
1: I'm really upset. Today sucked. I'm going to go play Fortnite on my Xbox. I am so stressed. It's fine. Just don't worry about it. (sighs) I am not stressed.
0: Have you ever heard any of those phrases? We pulled these from our youth group and... That One teen shared very honestly, very bluntly, and said, well, I always just tell my parents it's fine, and then I go talk to my friends. So good luck with that. We hope today we open some of those lines of communication for your family. Now, some stress is good, right? Not all stress is bad. You Remember those college years when you had that big paper to get done, or a huge exam you want to prepare for, that stress helped motivate you to do what you needed to do to prepare for that. Stress in small measures is helpful. It's certainly true that there'd be a lot less accomplished in the world without it. But too much stress can be detrimental. And I have to admit that when I came into this message series, my assumption was that this issue of stress with teens is This just something every generation goes through. It's unique for teenage years. I remember some tough times in my teen years. We certainly had a few ordeals with our children raising them. I got a few stories I could tell. Fortunately, most of the stories we can laugh about now that they're adults. But as I prepared for this message, I was surprised at what I found. I realized that we're living in a different world. The pressures they're facing today have certainly multiplied from what you and I have had to deal with as we grew up, and even as we raised our own children. You know, this generation's got a reputation. They're kind of considered fragile and overwhelmed, raised by helicopter parents. But if you look more closely and you examine the digital world that they've been raised in, you have a new appreciation for the anxieties they're facing. Anxiety and depression have been on the rise since 2012 after years of stability. And it seems to impact all demographics, suburban, urban, rural. It doesn't seem to matter whether you're planning to go to college or not, and it does seem to impact girls more than boys. In 2015, we did a study and it was reported that 6.3 million teens claimed to have experienced an anxiety disorder of some kind during that year. Almost 3 million teens claim that they had a major depressive episode in that year, and over 2 million claim that that depression was severe enough it impacted their functioning. This generation is called the post-9-11 generation. They have experienced a time in which it's an era of economic and national insecurity. They've never known anything but terrorism and school shootings to be the norm. They've watched their parents weather a severe depression, and perhaps the biggest issue is they've hit puberty at a time in which technology and social media is impacting and changing the society that we know. Being a teen is a full-time job. You've got homework to focus on. You have a school sport or activity that seems to take away all your downtime. You're managing your identity on social media, which is much bigger than we'd think. And they're much more aware of global and national concerns because they see the impact it'll have on their future. And every interaction is documented online for days, weeks, and maybe even sometimes forever. Most of us adults have no idea how much emotional energy a teen puts in to these small screens that have become a part of their life. Its impact is significant and should be monitored and managed, not withheld, but managed. Let me tell you a story because the stress with some teens is leading to what we call self-harm. It's a story of Faith Ann Bishop. It appeared in a 2016 Time magazine magazine article along with several other stories. She described how she first decided to start cutting herself. She used a clip from a pen she cut into the soft skin under her ribs. And she said in that moment, it's as if the world became quiet for a little while. It was a coping mechanism. And it continued. She found herself often, the stress being so large that she as she fought all the problems of homework and peer pressure and trying to fit in and all those challenges that she faced, all the worries that it was a mechanism that seemed to be helpful to her. She continued it even until her junior year in high school when her mother finally noticed. Usually she cut herself in places that you could not see, but she slipped up and cut on her wrist, a place that we often associate with suicide. She wasn't attempting suicide. It was just part of her coping mechanism. She lifted her arm up to pull her hair back, and her mother saw it and asked her about it. She said if she'd asked me even just a couple years before, I probably would have told her that I wasn't, because I didn't want her to have to experience the pain that I was experiencing. But on that day, I told her that I was, and I wanted to stop. And she said the best thing was that her mother didn't freak out, she didn't ask her why. But she said, I'm here for you. How can I help? And Faith Ann said that was the best thing that she could do. They got some counseling. She learned breathing techniques that help her with her physical symptoms. She learned to talk positively to herself. And she became involved with a teen project that helped her channel her feelings into creativity. Her parents discovered that they were not alone, and they got through it. Her story is not unusual. And we'd be surprised how much our teens are suffering, sometimes underneath our own noses. So in a short while, we're going to have Christian Boyce come up and talk specifically about the issues that teens face. And what I want to do is wrap around that uh, interview a couple of resources that might be helpful, not just to teens, but to all of us as we face the stress in our lives. Our faith is a great resource for us. And praying through Scripture can become a wonderful coping mechanism if you fight stress in your life. So first let me focus upon Paul's words here in Philippians, and then we'll come back after we talk to Kristen and look at what Jesus' words of comfort bring us. Now, this passage, don't be anxious about anything. Now, somebody quotes Scripture to me like that. You know what my first response is? Click. I turn it off. They just sound like pious words, you know? Pious words that seem to don't deal with the everyday reality that I have. But if you put these words in context, they become something a little different. If you study Paul's life, you realize that these aren't empty words. They come from years of being chased out of town after town, being persecuted, beaten, and even imprisoned. And do you realize that these very words written in the book of Philippians he wrote while he was in prison? We think he was in Ephesus. We're not sure. But these words were written, they were penned while he was in prison. How many of you have been in prison? Hopefully not too many of you, but I do have somebody that I visit from time to time. I go to the prison facility in Newcastle. And let me tell you, when you go in through those double sets of doors and they close behind you, it's a pretty interesting feeling. I remember experiencing a little anxiety myself, even though I knew I was going to be getting out in an hour or two. In that time, I realized that I was confined. When I imagine that, then you picture Paul writing these words. They take on a little power and a little meaning. And, and you realize that Paul's got a secret here. And his secret is the companionship of God. He suggests to us, he tells us in the scripture, to share your requests with God. Offer your petitions and your prayers. Part of a relationship. And then he says to give thanks. And these are not just words of advice. They're words of wisdom. Because the best thing you can do when you're experiencing stress and anxiety is to verbalize them. To share them with someone else. And even if it's to God, it was certainly helpful and meaningful. And then to offer thanks is is an expression of trust that God will be there for you. So meditate on these words if you're dealing with stress. And picture Paul writing these while he's in prison and imagine all that he's been through and realize they're not empty words. They're words that you can claim as well. This time I'd like to invite Kristen to come up and got a few questions for her. Kristen is one of ours. Uh, Her husband's Mark. And her in-laws are Bill and Joyce Boyce. But Kristen, not only is a very highly qualified counselor, but she owns a counseling service here called Pathways to Healing here in Noblesville. So Kristen, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, what do teens struggle with the most?
1: Excellent question. Thank you for having me. I could be here a long time, so I'm trying to condense it in the best way I know how, because this is a huge topic. Uh, I would narrow it down to academic pressures, social pressures, family life are three significant pieces that really make an impact. Social media, as we know, has high correlation to suicidal ideation, depression, and anxiety because you're comparing yourself to someone else, or let's say a friend gets invited to a party and you don't get invited. Now I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's, why am I not invited? So it's right there in their face all the time. Uh,
0: Last week when we talked suicide, and certainly this issue, we hear a lot about shame and guilt. What is the difference between those two?
1: This is another topic I love to talk about because most people don't know the difference between shame and guilt. Shame is about yourself, about your, who you are. So you'll hear, I'm not good enough, something's wrong with me, I'm stupid, I'm bad. Those are all shame statements. Guilt is about choices or behavior. So it might be about a choice you made versus about yourself. And we know there's a high correlation between shame um, and and, and addiction. So you'll find that people that don't feel good enough or um, really have an unhealthy sense of self, which everybody has shame and guilt, by the way. Um, that you'll see that they have more of a tendency to want to numb that. So they might use alcohol, drugs, shopping, eating, the list goes on, um, to try to numb that feeling.
0: So how can we help our teens?
1: Excellent question. The first thing is always doing your own work. Because if you're not self-regulating, you're not coping with stress well, it's hard to teach that to your teen. So recognizing your feelings. We know now a lot about neuroscience and the significance of feelings. Acknowledging feelings, processing feelings, not stuffing them, numbing them, moving away from them. That keeps us stuck and you'll see teens acting out. The first thing I teach parents is acknowledgement. If I could put that on a billboard, I would. Uh, acknowledging their feelings. So the first thing parents want to do is try to fix it. Okay, you know, you just need to get study more. You need to do this. I'm like, you put the cart before the horse. The first thing you do is acknowledge the feelings. I can imagine, it's a very tentative statement, I can imagine you feel very overwhelmed right now and lost on even where to begin. What? And they're, yeah, yeah, I don't even know, I'm stupid. And you don't feel good about yourself. What do you need? I don't know. They might respond like that. And that's a segue into maybe some brainstorming about solutions. Instead of going to the fixing it first, acknowledgement first of the feelings. But you have to be pretty clear on your own feelings to do that work. Um, the second thing is encouragement, not about great job, that's setting up performance. So a lot of people feel like they have to please perform perfect in order to get worth, in order to feel valuable. So the first thing I say is really notice specifically the hard work and the effort that they put in instead of shaming them. Like, why don't you ever study, you know, that that shame versus um, support and acknowledgement.
0: So what are some good, healthy coping mechanisms?
1: So the first thing I always teach people is you gotta learn to breathe because you gotta breathe through the feelings, you gotta lean into them. So we're gonna practice real quick because if you're not breathing, you're not gonna if you're not self-regulating, you're not gonna help your teen. So when you say, Stop yelling, and I'm yelling, like, okay, I'm not modeling what I want them to do. So the first thing is it's like a train. I want you on the station on the platform, the negative thoughts go by or the frustration you feel goes by. Don't jump on that train. I need you centered. So the first thing we're gonna learn to do is breathe. So you're gonna inhale for four, hold for four. They call it square breathing. Release through your mouth for eight. So everyone's gonna try it because if they see you breathing, they're gonna learn to do this and calm themselves down. So let's do it together. So through your nose, breathe through your nose for four, hold for four, release through your mouth for eight. You should feel your body relax, your shoulders drop. So let's do it one more time. Through your mouth, through your nose, out your mouth. And I say to parents, first thing I need you to do is breathe. Don't react, breathe. Because then you're going you're gonna to start this dance. The second thing is a healthy support system. H- healthy adults um, being able to talk about their feelings Again, you have to talk about feelings. I don't care if it's through a family meeting. You're saying, how are you feeling? But again, you have to acknowledge those feelings. Journaling, writing um, is significantly important because you're getting it out. You're releasing it. Those are some of the main, I could go on and on, but those are <laughs> my main ones right. <laughs> that well, I th- would recommend.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. you sharing Yes. Thank you so much. Quickly. I want to close with Jesus' words that he shares, words of comfort. And I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes and imagine that Jesus is speaking directly to you. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Now, we picture this passage, and I'm going to assume you know what a yoke is, that little thing you put around oxen and horses or mules to distribute the load. But here Jesus shares a contrast. He says his yoke is light. What's the heavy yoke he's speaking of? You put it in context, and we understand that he's speaking to the 600-plus rules and regulations in the Mosaic Law that the Pharisees and Sadducees tried to impose upon the Jewish people. Laws that they themselves couldn't even fully follow, and in addition to that, they added interpretations of how to apply it in their day that made it even more. They were the professionals, and they couldn't get it done. Jesus instead offered a light yoke that had two commands: love God, love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. He invited them to exchange those yokes. When you think about this as we deal with the stresses in our lives, a good question to ask is, what is the heavy yoke that we're letting be put on ourselves? What are the expectations? What are the rules? What are the unrealistic expectations we have of ourselves that's becoming a burden for us? And I invite you to let go of that yoke and take on the yoke of Christ, a yoke of his unconditional love, a yoke that says he understands our weaknesses and our strengths, and he loves us as we are. So I invite you to exchange those jokes, And if you're dealing with those stresses in your life, whether they be the expectations that come from your parents or from your peers or just from your own rules, to let those go and receive and accept fully the expectations of Jesus Christ who is our Lord.